history or of the scriptures themselves. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, which was our scripture reading this morning, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Teaching and admonishing. How are we teaching and admonishing? Well, think about the songs that we sang today. Think about the song right before the Lord's Supper. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. What's that telling the story of? Telling the account of how Jesus went to the cross and we say, well, I'm going to hold to that cross no matter what comes because that is the source of my salvation. That is the source of all that is good in this world. It was a place of death. We were reminded before the Lord's Supper as well of the history of the children of Israel and how they had to put the blood on the doorposts. We teach one another with these accounts. You see, the Bible wasn't just written to be an entertaining book. The Bible wasn't just written to be a history book that we can snooze through just like we would history class. The Bible was written with lessons, teachings from people that lived long before we did, reminding them of the difficulties they faced in the name of their faith. And friends, what happens when we do the same and we're not prepared? You see, singing is for the purpose of admonishing, instructing, teaching, showing us where we were before and where we're going, showing us the history of the Lord and what He has done for us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Teaching about the grace of God, the blessing that that is. Singing is important. Singing is also for the purpose of admonishing. Admonishing, that's not really a word that we use all the time, but really it carries with it the idea of instruction, guiding along. Let's look at the book of Ezekiel. Again, we're jumping back to the Old Testament here. It's the book of Ezekiel. And specifically, we're going to be looking at chapter 3. And it's fascinating when we begin to look at the prophets and get to see all that they were able to do and all they were able to face, but Ezekiel is interesting to me because we see how he was talking to the children of Israel and how he was guiding them through. But if we look at chapter 3 in particular, specifically verse 17, Ezekiel is talking about being a watchman, being prepared for what is coming, looking out and trying to protect God's people. But let's start in verse 17 here and see what he says. He describes, first of all, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that that same wicked man shall die in his iniquities, but his blood will I require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your own soul. What is God telling Ezekiel there? He says, I have set you to be a watchman, to be prepared to show these people where they are going wrong. Not as a means of beating them over the head or forcing them into something they don't want to do. In fact, he even gives them a choice. But our mission are to be watchmen. What is the point of a watchman in history or in military might and things of that nature? A watchman is to look out over the walls to be prepared to see if the enemy is coming. And to warn those who are in the walls, the enemy is here, the enemy is here, you need to be aware of this. We are to be watchmen for the world. 
warning them of what is coming, warning them of the evils of this world, warning them of the dangers if they stay in their wicked ways. Now you say that seems like a pretty drastic thing to be putting with singing, right? But singing is teaching. The same as a preacher would be teaching, a song can teach. You don't believe me? How did you learn your ABCs? How did you learn your ABCs? Probably by a song. Most of us who learn the books of the Bible, how did we learn that? Probably by a song. When I was growing up, there was even a series of cassettes, and yes, I do know what a cassette is. There's a series of cassettes that taught about American history, and some of those songs I still can't get out of my head. But that's the point of it. It's to guide us, to show us what took place, what is going to happen, to be a watchman and a warning, because some of the songs that we sing have warnings in them. I'm reminded of the song, You Never Mentioned Him to Me. When in the better land, before the bar we stand, how deeply grieved our souls will be. If any lost one there should cry in deep despair, you never mentioned him to me. Think about the haunting nature of that song, reminding us that eternity's coming. And there are many people that we want to see there, but if we never take the time to reach out to them, we may never see them there. And they will be separated from God. A haunting, haunting verse. But singing is also for praise. In James chapter 5, verse 13, if any is merry, let him sing psalms, praising God, showing honor to him who deserves it. I'm sure many of us at one point or another, if we're just going about our day, and it's just a really happy day, either you see this or someone else is doing this, but they'll probably be singing some sort of a song. I know when we, we went to Disney World a few years ago, one song that kept playing over and over again was the song Zippity-Doo-Dah. <laughs> Just a happy song, upbeat song. But they were playing that over and over and over and over and over and over. And can I say it again? Over and over and over again. <laughs> but it was meant to just be a happy, upbeat song, setting the mood for the park. Because remember, Disney slogan, the happiest place on earth. Debatable at times, but still. But that's the idea. They're trying to portray this as a happy thing, a happy day. Songs can change an entire mood. Maybe you've had moments where you've walked into worship and it's just been a bad morning. You wake up and you put your shoe on the wrong foot. You trip over your shoelace. You fall out of bed. You stub your toe. You knock your toothpaste in the sink. Just all in all, just a miserable morning. But then you come into worship, you see the smiling faces and you hear happy songs and upbeat songs and it changes everything that day. Because it's not about all the bad stuff that happened anymore. I'm reminded of the goodness of God. I'm reminded of who I am as a Christian. And it lifts my spirits. See, the purpose of song is, yes, it's to praise God. It's to teach. But it does also have a matter of bringing happiness and joy. Let's look at the book of Acts. Jumping back to the New Testament here, the book of Acts. Let's look at chapter 16, and we'll start in verse 25. Here, Paul and Silas have been put in prison for preaching the gospel, but let's hear what he has to say. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. 
Now, if I'm thinking of a prison situation, I'm probably not thinking of people singing happily. Probably my mind, first of all, goes to a harmonica and this sad tune coming out of the bars. But they're singing psalms to God, singing hymns and praise to God. And others were hearing them. Maybe you've had a day before where you're walking along and you hear someone singing and you hear someone just looks like they just have a skip in their step. And your first thought is, why? What happened for them today? Why are they feeling that way today? Friends, as Christians, that's what we are to be showing to the world. Why are you happy? Why are you joyful? Well, let me tell you the reason. Let me tell you why I'm able to do that. It's because my Lord offered me a way of escape from this world. It's because the Lord gave me hope when I had none. Friends, if we put our hope in this world, we're putting our hope in a sinking ship. We walk up, it's as if we walk up to this, this magnificent cruise liner that's, it looks great, but if you look right at the waterline, there's a massive hole. And the world's telling us it is the state of the art. It's going to get you exactly where you need to go. And you're saying, it looks like the water's telling it where to go. But God gave us hope. He says, you don't have to be a part of that. I'm offering you a way of escape. I'm offering you a better life than anything this world can offer. Purpose of singing. Yes, it's for teaching. Yes, it's for guidance, for admonishment. And yes, it is also for praise. But what about the method? The method of singing. This is where a lot of people like to get into fights. Because when it comes to the previous point, no one's going to have a problem with the purpose of singing, really. Yes, singing is for teaching. Yes, singing is for admonishment. Singing is for praise. That's great. That's awesome. But what's the method? What does God want from us? Because as we understand throughout all of Scripture and throughout all of history with reference to the Lord, He has a method behind what He wants done. God doesn't just accept any form of worship and just say, oh, well, you can just worship me however you want to and however is convenient for you, and I'll just accept it. Remember what we talked about before the Lord's Supper? They had very specific plans laid out for that day of Passover. And even in the New Testament, when we jump over and we hear about what Christ and his disciples were doing, they had specific things they were supposed to do to honor that day. God has always been a very specific being. He's not haphazard. He doesn't just say, do whatever you want, because which one of us would take that? If someone were trying to buy us a gift for, say, a holiday or Christmas or a birthday or something like that, would we just want anything they want to give us? Someone came up to you and said, I was looking in the store and thought, man, I would really love to have that. And so here you go. No, there's consideration that has to be made in that. Maybe I'm not a, maybe I'm not a big computer guy, but he gives me this massive computer and all the parts and says, here, you can put this together and have fun. And I say, I don't know on earth what you want me to do with this. They <laughs> said, well, I would like it. That would make me feel good. But it's not about you. It's not about how you feel about it. It's about how, does, how, does, how do I feel about it? How do I want this to be done? The same is true with God. If we make worship about us, we've missed the point of worship. 
If worship is all about how I want to feel about it, then we miss the goal. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here just to feel good in myself. I'm here to honor and praise the Lord who brought me out of this world. So what's the method? Any form of worship has to meet God's standards. John chapter 4, verse 24, They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth with a proper attitude and with the right, practic- the right practice. That's how it's intended to be done. Matthew chapter 15, verse 9 as well talks about the same kind of idea. God, God wants these things to be done specifically, not haphazardly. This is an, a matter of honor to God, a matter of showing Him exactly what He wants. And so He has the right to determine the way that we do this. Now here's where it comes down to the division with a lot of people. Is it vocal? Are we to vocally sing? Or is it vocal with addition to other things as well? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, a lot of people like to take that verse and they say, See, it says sing and make melody. Now, make melody can be anything, right? Now, here's where the problem comes in. The language that the Bible was written in, especially the New Testament, was not English. It was not our version of English. No, what the Bible was written in was Koine Greek a language that's now dead. Which means that whatever that statement was, whatever the language used to be, is exactly what it still is today because it hasn't changed. Now when it says sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord, the Greek phrase literally, if you translate it exactly from Greek to English, literally says sing and sing psalms. Now why would he say it that way? That doesn't sound right to us. Why would he do that? Because in ancient Greek, what they would do is they would put two words that are the same together for emphasis. It'd be the same as I go up to someone and I say, we need to do, we need to work hard and we need to be focused. Trying to emphasize the point. Make sure we're working hard and we're keeping at it. But back then what that was done to, or what was that was shown was really putting emphasis behind it. We really try to put emphasis on one word. We don't put two words together really to make that extra power behind it. No, we put emphasis behind one word, usually by emotion or expression or maybe hand gestures or something along those points to really get that point across. But when it comes to the ancient Greek, that was the, per- the point. We put two words back to back to express that emphasis. What Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, he's saying, sing and sing psalms. You put emphasis behind this. This is important. Now, why can't we just add something else to it? Uh, Surely, what's the harm in it? We're still singing. We're still able to do that. The reason is, behind what other form of Christianity are we allowed to add something else to it? If I'm a preacher, do I have a right to add something else to the Word of God? If I'm leading a prayer, do I have the right to add something else behind it? Can I lead a prayer while ziplining down the auditorium? I'm not adding stuff to the Word of God. I don't add things to what God wants because at that point, if I add to it, I'm taking the focus off Him. I'm changing it. I'm saying it's not about God anymore. It's about how I want it to be done. How do I feel about this? When God gives us a specific command, it excludes all others. And there's a simple illustration for that as well. Your mom tells you to go get milk from the store. 
and you show up with chocolate milk and a candy bar. Is that what she said? She said, I want you to go get milk. It's a law of exclusion. That's what God did here. He said, I want you to sing and sing psalms. I want you to praise me with your mouth, the instrument that I made. Is there anything wrong inherently with instrumental music? No. Nothing inherently wrong with instruments of music. They sound great and they're encouraging. But not in God's word. In any other use, that's free for us to use. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. However, when it comes to the worship of God, that's not where you and I get to say. That's not where you and I get to determine how we want to do this. Now, we can determine a time, a place. The elders have the right to determine that. However, when it comes to the actual worship of God, that's not our place. Because at that point, I make myself God. And I say, well, I want this to be done, and this is my way why this is important. Again, Colossians 3.16, emphasizing that point, we are to sing, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Singing should not be done absent-mindedly either. See, this is where a lot of people get tripped up as well. If we go to a, a singing or some event like that, what is our mentality behind it? Am I singing because I'm listening to the words of the song and I'm praising God and I'm putting the focus on Him? Or maybe I'm singing to help others to see the truth of God's Word? Or am I just going through the motions? Am I just singing absent-mindedly and saying, yes, this is how the song is supposed to go? Words are important. Teaching is important. We've been talking about it in our Bible class on Wednesdays, James chapter 3, verse 1. Brethren, be not many masters, knowing you shall receive the greater condemnation. Friends, when we sing, we're teaching. We're admonishing one another. What we sing is important. It's not a matter of just singing because it sounds good or singing because it feels good. What we teach, what we show others has drastic importance. Because if I get up in the pulpit and I preach something against the Word of God or against God Himself, friends, I'm in trouble. If I sing and teach opposed to God, I'm in trouble as well. That's why this is so important. We don't focus on these things just to, to ruin a good thing. We focus on this because it has eternal significance. The method of singing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Specifically, let's look in verse 15. It says, What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. What's he saying there? What's Paul writing to them? He's saying, I'm going to sing with the proper mindset, the proper attitude. That word spirit can be used in multiple ways. A lot, sometimes it has reference to that of the Holy Spirit and singing with inspiration and things, or talking in inspiration and things of that nature. But other times it is simply used for that of your mindset. I'm approaching this with the right spirit, the right attitude. And Paul here is writing, we're singing with the spirit, we're singing with the understanding also. I know what I'm singing, I know what I'm saying, and I know what I'm teaching. These things are important. They are dramatically 
really essential for what we're trying to do. Christianity fundamentally is a practice of denying self. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about our God, and it's about the souls that are lost in the world. So what is my mentality? What does it mean to sing? Do I sing the way that God wants me to do? Do I praise Him the way that He wants to be praised? Do I teach others the Word of God in the things that I sing? We've talked about the purpose of it. We've talked about the method of it. But maybe this morning, you've never become a member of the Lord's Church. Maybe this is something dramatically different to you. Maybe you've never heard this before. We're happy to answer any questions that you might have to sit down with you and help you to understand the Word of God more perfectly, or maybe you have something to teach us. We're willing to sit down and talk about the Word of God because, friends, that is the most important thing. But maybe this morning you know that you need to be a member of the Lord's Church. You know what needs to be done, but maybe you've just been hesitating for far too long. Maybe you've been sitting holding the back of the chairs for far too long. You can make that change this morning. You can hear the word, according to Romans 10, 17, believe it to be true, according to John 8, 24, understanding that what God said is true, and then repenting of our past sins, according to Acts 17, 30. Changing our mind, which brings a change of life, and then upon that moment we understand we need to make a change, we're willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, just as the Ethiopian eunuch did. And based upon that confession, we would be more than happy to baptize you into Christ this very morning. Bearing that old man of sin, raised to walk in newness of life, according to Romans chapter 8, 1 Peter 3.21, Acts 2.38. But maybe this morning you've done all of that. Maybe you've been a member of the Lord's church for a long time, but maybe you lost focus. Maybe you allowed the things of this world to drag you away from God so much so that you forget what it was like to be with Him. He wants you back this morning. He wants you to make that right with Him this very morning so that you can leave those doors free from sin, free from the guilt, free from the shame, and living in a right relationship with Him. If you have any need this morning, don't hesitate. Don't wait for a more convenient season. Come now as together we stand as we sing.